This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, I don't know if you expected it. I don't think many fans expected it. Looking at the schedule three weeks ago, that you would be sitting there going 3-0 and in the last three games, two of them road wins, and looking at Buffalo coming in here on Thanksgiving, not necessarily predicting a win, but kind of believing that you're going to see a better product on Thanksgiving and excited fan base going into to Turkey Day. Yeah, of course I expected it because um, I'm a real fan. Right. <laughs> yeah, kiss my ass. No, I, it was, uh, you know, after the Green Bay game, um, a lot of people were wondering, you know, we heard a lot about, oh, what's wrong with the Packers? Oh, Aaron Rodgers looks like you know, like that was kind of the vibe coming out. Yeah. But not many and, people and were Chicago giving blows. Yeah, not many people were giving the Lions credit for that one. Um, you know, Chicago, you go in and you know did what you had to do, and at that point it was like, okay, man, maybe you know, just maybe we're turning something around here, right? Um, and I'm talking just from a player's mentality, being in that locker room. You know, you go through the first seven games, you're one and six. You lost a bunch of close games outside of, you know, New England was probably the one game that got out of control. But you, you couldn't find a way to make plays at the end of the game. So I think there's some doubt that creeps in, whether it's, you know, hey, maybe we're just not good enough. Or, hey, man, you know, geez, I wish our defense could get one stop. Or maybe guys on the defense, God, you know, if our offense just goes and scores, you know, there's a lot of doubt that can creep in. Um, when you go out there and you beat Chicago, it's like, okay, maybe we're flipping something here. Maybe we're starting to uh, expect to go make plays uh, in a game to win, set ourselves up for a win, rather than hope that somebody does. And yesterday uh, was the first time this season, at least, that it all came together with the whole team. Um, offense, defense, special teams played well. Uh, it was almost like they showed up knowing they were going to kick the Giants' ass, <laughs> yep. went out there, had confidence in the game plan, and the confidence in the game plan met really good execution, and that's what happens. And the way that they did it, you know, there was obviously a big emphasis on the Giants. Hey, they're 7-2, and two, you know, a lot of one-score games. What are they doing well? Well, they're playing good, tough, physical, disciplined football, not turning the ball over. 
they're standing up in the red zone. They're taking the ball away from other teams. They're doing all the little gritty things that it takes to win. You go in there and completely flip the script on them and outdo them at what they're good at. You know, you beat their ass in the run game. Uh, you take the ball away three times. You score 14 points off of those turnovers. Um, that's just a sign of a good football team. That's a sign of uh, when the other teams make mistakes, making them pay for it. And we saw them do it in Chicago. You miss an extra point, don't care. We're going to make you pay for it. That's what good yeah. teams do. And yesterday was just uh, – it was the first game that I felt like they were in control for the majority of that game. Now, I know they went down 6-3, to three, you know, kind of a little slugfest there for a while. Hutchinson gets that pick. They go down. They go up ten to six, seventeen six, twenty four six. You know what I mean? It was like yeah, okay, this, ga- this game's in hand, man. And that was the one game where every game we felt like, oh, like what's gonna happen? Aaron Rodgers got the ball with four play. Oh, Justin Fields got the ball with two minutes left. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like even that Washington game was like, okay, what's going on, guys? Like we thought we were good. You know? Yeah. Well, Yesterday it, was the it, first it was, time where it's like, dude, just keep doing what you're doing, boys. Let's get the hell out of here with the win. And there was always kind of that feeling like at some point Saquon Barkley is going to go off, yet he never did. 15 carries for 22 yards. and you know, a long me, of four. Yeah. There's the longest rush, four yards. That was the story of the game to yeah. me. But I want to go back to really the beginning of this trip. And, I mean, you travel with the team. They get on the plane to go to New England. They get on the plane to go to Dallas. How much different is the feeling of the of the team amongst the guys just when you watch their their body language, the way they talk, the way they act going to Chicago and going to New York? Is there a difference? Yeah, I think going into that New England game, um, there was a very strong sense of the team being flat. And I think the bye week came right after that. Yeah. So that's a trap that I think a lot of teams fall into. Um looking looking ahead. But that Especially game that, yeah, that game felt flat. I remember sitting there on the sideline, you're kinda of watching how guys interacting. You know, who's gonna be the guy that steps up and tries to get the juice going, tries to get the energy. And that whole game was just like very blah. Just we can't do anything. No confidence. You know, let's just get the hell out of here and go to the bye week. Um Dallas coming out was a little bit of a turning point, I thought, because that was really the first game that we saw the defense play well. Now, I know you look at the final score 24-6, and you're like, Ugh. you know, I think 14 of those points came in the last couple minutes of the game right. when you know yeah. we're going for it on fourth down or Jerry Goff, whatever it was. You know That was a much closer game than that. They held Dallas to 10 points for most of that game. Um, that felt like a little bit of a turning point. Um and if you're an offensive player, you're probably sitting there saying, man, all season, all we've needed this defense to do is just get one or two stops. And we're probably, you know, maybe a two, three win football team at this time. Um, now it was, it flipped. It was like the defense. And man, all, if the offense just scores, you know, 14 points, 20 points, man, we probably got a chance to win a game. Uh, but that for me was kind of the turning point because you started to see uh, marginal improvements where the previous couple weeks, all you saw was kind of that free fall and kind of that slippery downhill slide. Um, obviously, the Dolphins game, I mean, you know, <laughs> defense kind of reverted back to what we saw for four games. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, it's just it's, it's amazing what one win can do for a football team. And 
one or one loss can do for a football team, John. I remember sitting there in the pregame show against Minnesota, and I we were talking how important is this game? You know, it's only week three. And I'd said, you know, this game is going to determine, you know, let's go back, you know, 10, week 10, week 12, and revisit this game. I guarantee you one of these teams is going to look back at this game and say, oh, man, like if we had that one, you know. And you look at how the season has gone for us in Minnesota. Minnesota is what, an 8-2 football team? We're a 4-6 and six football team. We're a 1-6 football team up until, you know, a couple weeks ago. So, one loss can, you know, turn your season around. One win can turn your season around. One win against Green Bay Packers, you know, it, that's it started to turn, man. It did. And it, it's gone, like I said, it's gone from not – you don't hope anymore. You don't hope that your defense can get a stop. You don't hope that your offense can go on a long drive and score. You don't hope that, you know, oh, man, I hope we can, you know, just get in field goal range. Now that you've done it three weeks in a row, that's what you expect because you know what it takes. You know that, you know, you got to execute in the highest situations. You know, if there's a third down, you got to make that play, and they have been making those. Um, so that's where the mindset starts to flip, where you don't sit there and wait for anybody else to make a play. You take you take control. You go out there, you take control, and you make it happen. And that's what they've been doing the last three weeks, and it's been impressive. It has been impressive. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how they got this done. Um, and I think it all starts really with the defense. I mean, we'll talk about the offensive line. We'll talk about Jared Goff. But to me, and there's one thing that showed up on Sunday that if it is true and it can be consistent, I think it's a game changer for this defense, for this organization moving forward because I think it will affect free agency. I don't think it will affect the draft. I think it will affect the remainder of this football season, and that's Aline McNeil. A large part of why and Bucks uh, and Kaminsky, like I mean, when you look at the way the defensive line played, but especially Aleem McNeil, and I'll just give you a stat line real quick: four total tackles, three of them were solo, one sack, three tackles for loss, and three QB hits. Like that's the Aleem McNeil. And and that's probably an overestimation of what I would expect from him on a week in week out yeah. basis. I don't expect him to get a sack every time or three have three quarterback hits, but how he dominated in between the guards, how he controlled the line of scrimmage, really dictated what New York was not able to do, and they were not able to run Saquon Barkley. And yeah, everybody else performed well around him, but it really to me all started with. Him and him showing up and him being able to shed blocks, make plays, and wreak havoc uh, in the middle of that line of scrimmage. Yeah, and that's something that they've been lacking, you know. I mean, even revisiting the the Chicago game a little bit, you know, we all felt great about the win. Chicago still ran for, you know, 265 yards on the right. ground. I know Justin Fields at 130, whatever that was, but, you know, they, they were still pounding the ball on yeah. them, you know. And, and you know, it, it, you've been you've been lacking that interior force to not allow teams to just run up the middle on you, to not allow teams to, you know, just freely go up to the linebackers and pin guys in because you can't get off blocks. You know, yesterday was, uh, for Aleem, definitely his best performance, I think, of his career, but something that these guys have been waiting for because you, you, they know he's he's got it in him, you know, and even after the first series, I walk, he, he gets a, you know, a, a tackle there, uh, I think the second down, you know, he got a pressure. Mm-hmm. I think he got a hit. And then the third down, ultimately, he gets a sack all in the first drive. And 
I'm standing by the bench, and you know, all his teammates come up, and I think Aaron Glenn walked up to him, and he, he just said, uh, "Like it's about fucking time, man. Like it's about fucking time. Yeah. You know, like that's what we expect from you. That's what we've seen, you know, in practice. That's what we've seen you be capable of doing. You know, being a game wrecker in the middle that's of that why defense. We drafted you. Yeah, that's why you're here, man. That's why you're a starting nose tackle. Um, and for him to have a big game, that was just. It, it's it it's all feels like it's starting to come together. You know what I mean? It starts to feel it's it's starting to feel like the guys are finally understanding what it takes. You know, as opposed to oh, uh, well, you know, hope this guy makes a play. Uh, you know, uh, plays over there. You know, hope the linebacker makes. Oh, that's his play to make. You know, like get rid of that attitude. Go out there and take freaking control of it. No, this is my mm-hmm. play, man. You want to run up the middle? I'm making every single freaking play. Like that's the mindset you have to have, and that's how it looked like only McNeil played yesterday because they just couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything in the run game. Uh, they obviously had trouble blocking him in the pass game. Um, now it'll be interesting to see moving forward. You know, is Aleem a guy that we expect to see on third downs rushing the passer? I mean, probably not. But if he can bring that in first and second down and and get teams into third and long consistently, and now you bring in you know your pass rush specialist, like that's just that's the that's the key to good solid defense. And uh, it was impressive to see, man. Another guy too that I think has been extremely underrated is John Kaminsky. I mean, yeah. he's just a solid dude. When you when you watch him out there, there's nothing that really flashes. Uh, you know, you don't say, oh, look at his speed or, oh, you know, man, this guy's a freak. Like, nothing like that, but he's just a good, solid, gritty football player, you know. And uh, they've obviously, they missed him in that four-game stretch when he was out with the hand injury. Obviously, him coming back three weeks ago has given them a tremendous boost, especially, um, you know, when it comes to what he's able to do making some stops in the run game. So, um, but you're right, man. If that's that's something that they've put so many resources into, yeah. you know, their defensive front, and for a large part of the season, you know, I think it's we were obviously fair when we were saying, hey, we're kind of disappointed in these guys. Um, kind of kind of feels like they're starting to turn a little bit. Which, yeah, you look at the youth there and and the potential that they have. What was a weakness? you know, could eventually be a, a very, very big strength for him. Yeah, and, you know, then you start looking around the other performances, and obviously you've got to talk about Aiden Hutchinson and the fact that some of his biggest moments now are coming when it matters most. Last week against Chicago, it's the sack at the end of the game. This week, it's the interception Uh, It's the fumble recovery. It's constantly wreaking havoc down the line of scrimmage and having to be accounted for sometimes by one or even two blockers, even if you're not getting a running back out, um, you know, and and they're forced to chip a guy like that is is taking a resource away from the offense that that a running back's not getting out or a tight end or receiver, whoever it is that's coming over and helping. Um, But the the interception that he had. First of all, it it really turned things for Detroit. It was a key moment, and we we knew that that was part of what was going to be expected of him when they moved him over from hand in the dirt to to the two point stance. That guy occasionally has to drop into pass coverage. He does it. He's running away from the quarterback. He's got his eyes on the quarterback. Reads it. The ball is thrown right over his head. He jumps up, catches it, and returns it twenty yards. Like he is starting to become. A guy that you are expect you're looking for when it's third and long. There's a key moment that he's going to make a play 
uh, for the defense. Yeah, and that's what we've been waiting for. You know, <laughs> we've been well, waiting and even for last week on the goal line, right? Going down the goal yeah. line, making a big play. Yeah, and and sniffing out the screen. You know, against yep. Chicago leads to a pick six. You know, leads to an overthrow there. Um, that's something we've been waiting for because we've seen glimpses of it. You know, early in the season. You saw, you know, week one, okay, we don't really know yet. Week two, Washington's like, oh, man, like we got something. Yeah. Then a little bit quiet for three or four games, you know, yeah. not making much of an impact. And then you saw, you know, Dallas, okay, man, like getting in the backfield, sack and a half. Um, Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now you've seen it really, you can probably point to, you know, at least two or three plays in the last three weeks that have been game-changing plays. You look at the interception uh, against Green Bay, right? That's a huge play, man. They got the ball to one-yard line. You know, you get a takeaway there, that's a huge – that's a game-changing play. Uh, Getting in the way of of the screen, you know, Justin Fields leads to a pick six. That's a game-changing play. Getting a sack against Justin Fields on the last drive, you know, on second and ten and backing him up, that's a game-changing play. Yesterday, interception. You, you know what I mean? You're starting yeah. to see them consistently where there was just a long stretch of time there where we didn't see that. And I don't know what, you know, got you say better late than never. Um, obviously, the coaches figured something out by putting him in that two-point stance, by allowing him to use his instincts more and his awareness more rather than just being, 
you know, bull in China shop getting backfield and disrupt. Now he's able to read the play. He's able to read formations. He's able to read, you know, stances of the offensive tackles and try to anticipate what's what's coming and try to uh, figure out how teams are trying to, uh, you know, play with his eyes a little bit, whatever it might be. Um, and he's doing it at a, at, a, at a high level, but he's doing it consistent. And that for me as a young player like it just looks like you can he's a guy you can point to and say he's starting to figure it out you know and once you do that then the game looks like it's slowing down for him i mean he's doing he's he he seems like john i know you probably talked to him a lot of michigan but he seems like a very smart player he's yeah. very instinctual he's not just a player that's oh, i'm just going to go out there and beat you one on one like he he's able to digest things he's able to figure out the little small intricacies of what goes on, you know, the the little things in football that nobody else really realizes, but they actually they're a big deal, you know. Um, he seems like a very very smart, high football IQ type of player, and I think the uh, the reason why he's making a lot of these plays is because, you know, they've changed him up a little bit, putting him in two point. They're allowing him to read those things, and when he when it's read react go rather than just oh, I'm going to go and then try to figure it out during the middle of the play. You know, so, um, but Ben, he's been, he's starting, we're starting to see, I think, that uh, true potential that everybody hoped he, we would we would see, you know, from the number two pick. And, and how that trait, I think, relates to him as a pass rusher is, and you know this, when you're going against a guy that is a great athlete, right, you're concerned because he's just a better athlete than I am and he could beat me. But you also yeah. have it all the, takes is once. It all yeah, it all <laughs> takes is once. But you also have that in the back of your mind, like this guy is just not very smart. He's just gonna try and beat me with his athletic ability. And yeah. if I play my technique, if I take this set, if I change it up with the jump set, if I cut him, if I do things to keep him off balance, I think I can win a hundred percent of these matchups, even though he's a better athlete. Then when you play against a guy that is that is has that football IQ. Now in the back of your mind, you're going, is is he setting me up for this third and long where maybe I have there's a move that he knows will work against me that I haven't seen yet? Or yeah. is he setting me up time and time again for for his best move? You just not necessarily where he's gonna put it on. Like that's where I think that football IQ starts to pay off, you know, in the future. And, yeah. and maybe throughout the course of this year, but when he watches film this offseason, because he's a guy that's going to dissect everything that he does, and he looks at it moving forward next year, okay, here's what I've got to do to work on to be better. Here's, here's the different situations. Now that he's been in those, has that experience, and says, you know, on these different situations, here's where I have to be setting a guy up all game long for this move. Yeah. No, bull rush, bull rush, bull rush. Then, yeah. hey, man, I'm gonna. He's gonna start leaning on me. He's gonna start ducking his head. You know, he then has bam, that, that third down. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit him with the swim. I'm gonna hit him with the spin. You know, that's all part of what really the great defensive ends do. Yeah, they know they're not gonna get a sack on every single play. They set you up. You know, or if you watch and say, hey, this left tackle last week just got beat. You know, with the couple spin moves, right? I'm going to show up, and I'm not going to do it right off the bat. I'm going to think, oh, I'm just going to power him, or I'm going to try to go around the edge, and then yeah. bam. Or I'm going to test him and he, see how he reacts. When he thinks he's figuring me out, that's when you hit it. That's when you change it up, and that's when you can make that game-changing play. 
Um, yeah, and those me, are all part of his game. That yeah, he's taking a big step. That's the biggest change. We watched him early on, and in, you, you take a look at the sacks against Washington. Right, those were effort sacks. Yeah, a couple they coming were, off stunts and twists. Yeah, and, and plays where you, you watch him play. You know, play in and play out, and it's he's throwing his best stuff every single time. Yeah, he's going hard every single time, and that's great, but. That's not what makes you a great pass rusher. You've got to be able to set a guy up. Yeah. You've got to be able to pick and choose your times. You play with that effort every time so that when those sacks are there to be had, you're in position. When there's a fumble outside the numbers, you're in position, which you know those are the effort things that he's doing now. But when he actually starts using some of that football IQ in the rush, I think that's where he's going to take a step forward. Now another guy, and, I, and I'm curious, one, do you believe that – you can count on Aleem McNeil to perform like that. And then also in the back end, do you believe that you can you can, you know, rely on Kirby Joseph to continue to perform at the level that he's been performing? Well, Kirby, what, it's five takeaways now in the last four games for him, I think. Yeah, well, he's know? got three interceptions, <laughs> he's got two forced fumbles. You're right, yeah, all in the last four games. Um, you know, he's been consistent with it, you know, and I think even the play yesterday was it was good coverage, good pressure. Daniel Jones overthrew it. He's in a good spot to take the ball away, you know? Like, that's what good players do, man. You get around the football. Um, so, yeah, I think Kirby, you know, last week, or not last week, a couple games ago against Miami, you saw uh, a little bit of a struggle, you know? Or, I'm sorry, it was last week against Chicago. You know, there's a couple plays where there's busted coverage on a tight end. Um, there was another one. You know, they ran a fake read option, and tight end was about to block him. He kind of bites on that. Tight end slips by, touched. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. those are still small things that he's trying to figure out. But for the most part, um, you know, the takeaways is what's been important. I mean, you can take the ball away in the NFL. You're going to have a long career, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and especially doing it at the rate that he's been doing it at. So I expect him to continue to get better. And Aleem, look, I don't know if I expect the same pass rush pr- productivity that we saw yesterday. You know, I don't know if I'm going to ex- expect a sack from him every game and, you know, four quarterback hits, whatever it is. But in the run game, like, that's what I expect to see from Aleem. I expect when you go against these teams that just want to run right up the middle – you know, you put your foot down, you're like, ain't happening. You know what I mean? Getting off double teams, finding ways to shed blocks, finding ways to, you know, beat a one-on-one block in the run. Like, that's what I expect from Ali McNeil. That's what we've seen in glimpses in the past, uh, but just never at a high, consistent level. Now, hopefully, that game yesterday goes a long way for his confidence, you know? Well, hopefully, you know, the, he showed his teammates that, he can be a game wrecker out there at that defensive tackle spot. And, you know, it's up to him and it's up to teammates to to hold him to that standard now, hold him to that expectation. And, look, you're not going against any pro bowlers or all pro guys on that New York line. Um, but that's what he was supposed to do, and he did it. So moving forward, I think that's where I expect the Liam to continue to improve uh, in the run game because – that's just what they're going to have to do, especially, you know, you get late into these seasons. Um, you know, that's when you really start to see these teams try to pound the ball a little bit more. And yeah. uh, if he can continue to play like that against the run, the defense is going to continue to get better every week. Now, offensively, uh, 37 runs, 160 yards. They average just over four yards a carry. Um, a lot of people look at that, and, and rightfully so. They look and say the offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, having Cabinda 
coming out of the backfield, using him in motion. I thought Ben Johnson did a, a really nice job of, of constructing a game plan to give the offensive line the advantage, you know, angles, um, you know, and, and, and just what how they were running the, the at least run part of the game. And then obviously in terms of the pass game, it, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of pressure on Jared Goff. Yeah. You know, so it's what did you see offensively that was working, and and let's just start shifting the focus a little bit to this coming Thursday because it's a short week. Can they be an offense that is consistent enough to put up points against a much better defense in Buffalo? Well, I hope so. I mean, they're going to have to. I mean, I think yeah. you know with how good this defense has been. Um, you also understand that Buffalo is just a bit of a different animal, you know. I mean, they're uh, they're studs, man. They are. They've got playmakers all across that offense, and they're capable of putting up fifty on anybody, mm-hmm. you know. Um, offensively, yesterday, I just it felt like the game plan just had really good rhythm to it, you know. I think they threw in a good mix of, you know, tough, physical, ISO, old school style of football with Cabinda, you know, just one-on-one with the linebacker hitting the hole for three, four, five yards, um, threw in a good mix of, you know, some of the outside zones, trying to hit them on the edges, some of the inside zones, some of the traps, some of the counter plays, uh, some of the sweeps. You know, it, it, it felt like it had a good rhythm to it. Um, and the play-action game, the the play-action calls seemed to be very timely. You know, there was a drive there late in the game when uh, I think, Giants had just scored, maybe get it back to a 12-point game and or 11-point game. And the first play, you know, they come out with the play-action pass, Nick Khalif Raymond over the middle for 20 yards. And it's like that. I love that play call, you know, because there's everybody's thinking, oh, the Lions are just trying to run the clock out. You know, they're going to try to run the ball. You get safeties up playing at seven yards, hit them right behind them for a big play. Like, it just – the rhythm felt – uh, felt really good. It looked really good offensively. And obviously you talk about that offensive line. I thought the pass protection uh, was really good. Jared Goff didn't get sacked in his 26 dropbacks. I think he only got hit twice. I think one was uh, early. Leonard Williams threw a pretty nasty move on Jonah Jackson. Yeah, And you don't see Jonah's just, it looked like his feet got crossed up a little bit, ended up going down. Um, you know, just Leonard Williams is just a good player. Um but the offensive line, I thought, played well, man. I thought they did. And we've been talking about them all season. You know, as long as you have an offensive line that can control the line of scrimmage, you can control the clock, you can sustain drives, you know, you can pass protect, you can whatever you need to do to sustain drives, you're always going to give yourself a chance to win. I don't care who you're playing. Um, and even having DJ Chark back, I know he had one target that – was kind of a got away with one. I mean, that looked like a dropped interception from the Giants' safety. But just his presence being out on the field uh, of a deep threat, you know, big dude that can go up, catch those 50-50 balls, that, that automatically is going to make a defense play a little bit different. Um, Justin Jackson was a guy that was surprising. Yeah. You know, I think we the saw DeAndre. Run was yeah, awesome. I mean, you know, nine carries, 66 yards, leading rusher when it came to – you know, production there, uh, different dynamic, you know, runs physical for a small dude, but also very patient, good vision. So many plays you're looking at and you're like, oh man, you know, one, two yard gain. Oh, there he goes for seven or eight. You're like, oh man, you know, DeAndre Swift, you know, it's good to see him get back in the end zone, but 
they've got to figure some things out with him because I think he's going to be the most important player, John, in this off- offense moving forward. I think they've got to figure out uh, how to get him back to his fully healthy, confident self because there's too many times where, you know, he's a, such a big play dude. And I think that's what everybody expects from him when he gets opportunities. But you also have to understand not every play is going to be a home run. You know, there was a third and one there at some point in that game, and they gave him a little jet sweep. And it's like, just put your head down and get to two yards. That's all you need to do. You don't need to go for 40. You know, this doesn't need to be a touchdown play. And he kind of dances around. He gets tackled short of the sticks. And it's like another play, you know, later in the game. I mean, outside zone and, you know, cuts it back to the middle. You know, it's just like, man, just you don't need to do that, you know. And I think that I have confidence that they'll get it fixed with him because – do Staley, I mean, go remember back in that hard knocks. I mean, he's over ripping his ass on the bench about hitting the hole, you know, yeah. getting downfield instead of bouncing everything to the sideline. So I've confidence they'll get it fixed. But he's gonna be the most important player for me. If they can could if they can get back to having him uh as that explosive playmaking type back along with Jamal player. Williams being the just the thunder in that backfield and even mixing up Justin Jackson a little different pace back as well, uh that's gonna be huge for them. So um Good things happen when you don't turn the ball over and when you run the ball and when you take it away three times from the other team and you make them pay for their mistakes. And that's what it's come down to really the last three weeks. The other team wants to make mistakes, good. Make them pay for it. And they've been able to do that, and they've been winning football games. Well, TJ, the Bills come to town uh, yet again. uh, Come back to Detroit. They faced the Browns at Ford Field this past weekend, had a win. Uh, but they're going to be here on Thursday for the Thanksgiving matchup, 1230 uh, on Thanksgiving Day against the Detroit Lions. It's a season of Thanksgiving and a season of thanks. So uh, we want to make sure to say thanks to all of our listeners uh, for faithfully uh, you know, downloading, liking, listening to our podcast. We're going to continue to give you as much insight to the Detroit Lions as they continue this trek of the uh, 2022 season. We'll talk to you next week on Necessary Roughness. Happy Thanksgiving.